Go. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Charles Chuck Too Tall Stuck Thompson. <laughs> How's it going this beautiful Tuesday? Nailed it! It's morning time still in Hawaii. We just caught it, so this is still Hawaii's favorite morning show. That's right. Mm-hmm. So you're you're welcome, everyone. What's up, everyone? In the live group, we started like half an hour ago, <laughs> and then Charlie got right a, before we actually. I mean, was about to hit the button. <laughs> right and then, before, and then Charlie says, "Hey, I got a pointless work call that I got to mm-hmm. do," and it was mm-hmm. pointless. It was indeed pointless. Yeah. So, how's your other than that? How's your Tuesday going? It's, I'm actually just shocked how much they pay me for that half hour. Yeah. <laughs> I walked in earlier and Charlie was CEOing on the couch. <laughs> he CEOed on the couch for two or three hours after I got here. That's actually. true, actually. Yeah. Yep. Which is, mm-hmm. Sorry, I meant sleeping. Sleeping yeah. is what I meant to C- say. CEOing. Yes. Yeah. CEOing. CEOing. Nate, uh, you know, how stressful is your job? Um, I, well, it's not as stressful as yours, honestly. The The politics side of the, of the stress is stressful. I just I have to say. ask you, uh, you look great on camera, by the way. I just have to Thank ask you. you, are you my my fiance now, by the way? I don't know if you guys know. I got engaged yeah. a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if I actually announced that. Um, so my fiance now, um, which is a term I guess you use when you're engaged rather than girlfriend. Hmm. Um, she said something about gray hairs the other day. Yeah. And I was like, I, I've never actually know. Like when I look in the mirror, I don't see any. And what about you? I have a lot of gray hair. And I, I will admit I used a super, super sexist company called Just For Men a couple times. <laughs> and I'm surprised still exists, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But I did use some stuff that was only for men. How in do my they hair. get away with that? I'm not sure how they're still going, <laughs> to tell you the truth. But um, unfortunately, you have this. Well, either fortunately or unfortunately, either way you look at it, you have you have a very nice lock of dark hair. It used to be dark. And uh, yeah. so you can see the gray a lot. You can see it, can see it a lot easier than I have a, a lighter tone of hair. Mm-hmm. And so you can't see it as easily. But I, she said something about me having gray hair. And I was like, I don't think I do. Welcome to the party, pal. But apparently I do. Yeah. So that's a, that's part of the job, I guess. This is, this is what it actually this. <laughs> Daisy. This happens. <laughs> Daisy said just for men, but it's MXN. Yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed. Uh, apparently for a second there over the weekend, you were supposed to say, you're supposed to type out women, W-O-M-X-N. Because X the men. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. That's I'm, not something I'm I'm going to do. I drew the line. I'm not right either. Right there. It's I'm, not going to happen. not either. So one thing, one cool thing that happened today, I don't know if you guys are interested in this, but Jordan Peterson's new book called Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. This is not a paid endorsement. I wish it was, but you don't have to pay me to endorse this book. I will say that the previous book, 12 Rules for Life, one of the most important books that I've ever read. I know, Charlie, you like the book a lot mm-hmm. too. And so his new book just came out today. I'm, I'm in the first chapter right now. And it's sounding a lot like a Jordan Peterson book about getting your life together. Nice. That's what it's really sounding like. So I'm enjoying it so far. I've missed that guy. Yeah. Over yeah. the last couple of years. 
He's yeah. uh you know a a well respected and well <laughs> and a well hated man. <laughs> you guys <laughs> You guys have to join the Patreon group so you can get on the private Discord server and chat with us back and forth and so you can throw ridiculous gifts and memes and stuff out there and try to make us laugh, which a lot of people do during the podcast. So you can go to patreon.com slash Liberty. One thing... Joe Bizzle says that he has a podcast. He does. The Jordan B. Peterson podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, the interviews as of late aren't as great mm-hmm. as... Like, I listen to him because I want to hear him. I want to hear his ideas. I don't want to hear him ask questions. I want to hear him speak. I don't want to hear what those other people think. Right. I don't care what those people think. Actually, I mean, some of the conversations have been really good. <laughs> but yeah, I do listen to uh, his podcast as well. But his podcast, his book, he's, uh, despite, I don't agree with everything he says, but despite what all the haters will say, he's definitely, I mean, it, the main crux of his argument is personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so that is literally the ultimate that's the problem we have right now is is a lack of personal responsibility. Everyone wants to blame everybody else, everybody else. Everybody wants to be a victim. You can't get ahead because the other person's got you down. Billionaires shouldn't exist. Hmm. They got you. They're holding you down at your $10, $12 an hour job and you need 15. It's, <laughs> you know, it's everyone else's fault. What we need is a little personal responsibility. All right. I'm not saying, you know, everybody hates the pick yourself up by the bootstraps. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying take responsibility that maybe there are some things that you can improve in your own life. I I will still say the pick yourself up by your bootstraps, even though that's been axed from our mode of conversation, because apparently that's an impossible thing to do. It would actually be tough to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. I don't have any straps on my boots anyway. Right. It'd be hard to stand in a bucket and lift yourself up as well. That's not really easy to do. But I but do you think could ju- you could jump. Yeah. You could hold yourself up for a little bit. I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that scientists you can hold down your straps, the road aren't going to figure this out. Hold your straps, yeah. jump, and then you're holding yourself by your bootstraps for at least a period of time. Now, so we've solved the bootstraps problem. One thing I was going to ask you about Jordan Peterson, since, listen, um, I would love to have him on the show, but honestly, I don't. I don't think we can handle that many people listening to us yet. So I'm just not interested. You know, I just well, don't want to do it. And the schedule, you the know. scheduling, Charlie has work calls, stuff it's, like that. Yeah. You very know? difficult really to difficult. get him on. Yeah. We'll res- I'll respond to his email sometime. Yeah. We'll see. But a lot of people said with everything that happened to him, a lot of people know, everyone knows what happened. If you follow him, you know what happened to him. Um, does that negate everything that he's, that he has been out there talking about over the last several years? No. I don't think it does. How would it? I, well, the idea is that if you follow these rules and you, if you're going through a tough time, well, you need to follow these rules and you need to take personal responsibility and, and you'll be able to make it through all the tough times. And in fact, he ended up spending a lot of time in the hospital after getting chemically addicted to some medications and things like that. And he was taking medications when tough things were going on. And I think all that's completely fine. I don't think that anything that he said means that you have to be perfect or that he is perfect. Right. I think it's good to have that list of rules that you have to that you have to follow in your life. I try to live by the rules in the first book. Even though I'm a libertarian, I don't really like rules, but you need to at least have some type of an aim and some type of set of rules that you live by. And uh, I I don't subscribe to the idea that since these terrible things happen to him, then you can't listen to any of the advice that he has. Anymore. Yeah. I think that's insane. Well, and he, you know, he was, I, I would say... 
he was forthcoming with what had happened to him and uh, everything happened at once. And mm-hmm. it's not like, um, it's not like that's an excuse, so to speak, I guess, to be addicted to benzos. But at the same time, I, I think he was trying to uh, do everything all at once. I mean, he literally uh, achieved overnight fame, uh, was touring the entire world nonstop for at least almost three years. Uh, during that same time period, his wife almost died uh, by a few botched surgeries uh, where I think they clipped her kidneys or something well, she also remember. they found out that she had some type of a she had cancer t- yeah while they were in doing some other type of surgery mm-hmm. that went and, on so and so everything was happening at once and uh and you know his doctor prescribed him some benzos and uh those things are dangerous and so it's and then he also was talking about because this is recent um, in his episode that he released yesterday by the way or two days ago uh what he was talking about was that he's uh, he's no longer a professor like he hasn't been in the classroom and you know, four, four or five years now. Um, he doesn't have his clinical practice. He used to see like 20 patients a week. Um, he, he said that, you know, while he was on the road, they remodeled his entire house. And so he's like, I don't, I feel like a stranger in my own home. He has all these things that he's, you know, kind of out of his routine because of the overnight fame and everything completely changed. So I, you know, I don't think it negates anything that he said. Or says or talks about at all, um, and that's because I know that when you when you adopt personal responsibility, then then your life gets better. Yeah, it's just the way it works. Um, uh, one thing moving on from that, I wanted to point out before we get into the couple the uh, couple stories that we have, a dumb thing over the weekend, Charlie. I don't know if you saw this, but there were o- overt this. racist themes. In CPAC, which happened over the weekend, by overt, mm-hmm. I mean the stage itself was in the form of a apparently popular Nazi symbol that I'd never seen before. But if you spend all your time worried about Nazis, I guess you notice that kind of thing. And of course, everyone on the left decided that this was just a this was just a wink and a nod to all the white supremacists out there letting you know that we're we're with you and we're doing the Lord's work out here, but we're not going to make it obvious or anything like put it in the shape of a an entire stage for an event or anything like that. Well, I, I think s- I saw a lot of people actually saying that they're not even hiding it anymore. Yeah. Like this was in your face. <laughs> we're going to put the symbol out there in your face and and design an entire stage Based off an old, I think it was, was that before the swastika? No, it was after. It was after. There was yeah. an SS, it was the SS, part of the SS guard uniform or whatever that they wore on their collar, I think. Yeah. Uh, from what I, from what I saw. But yeah, yeah, that's CPAC. I, you know, I don't know why the stage is in that shape, but what I can tell you is that there's no one, this idea that the Republican Party is so ingrained in white supremacy and, and Nazism that they have to design a stage to throw some type of a little wink to all the white supremacist Nazis out there. The idea that they're going to do that and think that they would get away with it is an insane idea that not even Nazis and white supremacists running the massive stage in the big event. I don't even know if they would do it because it doesn't, it wouldn't make any sense. There's no political sense that this would make at all. No. Uh, other than whoever designed the stage wanted this to happen. <laughs> And actually had some type of a, a some type of another theme that they were going or some type of vendetta that they were trying to to enact there. Um, the idea that they would purposefully do that 
to throw some type of a nod to those people is is completely insane. And honestly, there's a lot of other things that people could look at other than the shape of this stage. And I would have never known. I don't know who goes around just memorizing all of the Nazi war propaganda. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't really know. I I thought it was pretty crazy. But the, Almost, same, the same folks who are upset about this are the same folks who will fly the, the hammer and sickle flag. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and their favorite color is red. And also talk about how crazy the QAnon conspiracies are. Yeah. And, and how Republicans are a bunch of conspiracy theorists. But obviously there's a, this there's this little nod to white supremacy in the shape of a stage. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. It's so ridiculous. Okay. Well, I'll do this one because I put myself some notes in here. Elizabeth Warren is out there. She's out there again. And I believe Bernie had something to do with this as well. But they're talking wealth taxes. Wealth taxes are coming. Maybe. I don't know. An idea so bad that even the socialist nations around the world have gotten rid of it because it's a terrible idea. And everyone realized that. Okay, there's there's very few countries in Europe that still have a wealth tax because it's blatantly obvious what happens when you have a wealth tax. You think Chief Warren uh, would implementing us on herself or would she be exempt well actually i think she will be exempt because this is for ultra millionaires oh yeah for ultra millionaires not for Mm -hmm. the normal millionaires who are still part of the one percent but obviously when you're part of the one percent you need to focus the blame on the point one percent those are the actual bad people this isn't even for the mega millionaires no this is just the ultra ultra People who won the ultra millionaire jackpot, and that's how they got their money. <laughs> that's, yeah. Because they won the ultra millionaire not jackpot. The, not the mega millions. Yeah. So this comes from inequality.org, which oh. I will warn you don't read it if you have blood pressure problems or a history of stroke or heart attack in your family whatsoever. Don't go to inequality.org. Just don't do it. I'll do it for you. Not while you're pregnant or you may become pregnant. <laughs> you must be this tall. You must be this tall to read inequality.org. <laughs> Today, War- Warden Elizabeth Warren introduced her updated wealth tax proposal, the Ultra Millionaire Tax Act. Mm. According to an analysis by the Institute for Policy Studies from inequality.org and Americans for Tax Fairness, America's billionaires alone would have paid about $114 billion in wealth taxes in 2020 if the wealth tax had been in effect. The top 15 billionaires would have paid $40 billion in 2020 had the tax been in place. See the Americans for Tax Fairness special resource page. If you want to go to the website and look at that page, do it. If you feel like punishing yourself for some wrongdoing, uh, some terrible things you've committed in the past, then go to inequality.org and read that. We'll put a link in the show notes. Over the next 10 years, U.S. billionaires would pay an estimated $1.4 trillion. We have to get that 10-year figure in there. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because then it's something that would actually matter. Because, you know, this number, it doesn't... It, there's this crazy idea that if you tax billionaires, that then we'll have money to do stuff. For 10 years. Yeah. If you the just billionaires tax, will stick around for 10 years. They talk about this idea like they would have paid $114 billion in 2020. What would $114 have gotten you in 2020? It would have funded the federal government for five days. 114 billion. 114 billion. Five days. Mm-hmm. $114 billion. Maybe six. I don't know. It depends on how their budget process works out. Maybe six days. So the idea that we're going to pass this Monday wealth through tax. Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to pass this wealth tax and then everything's going to be okay. And then we're going to have enough. Then we'll have the things that we need. 
It's completely insane. It the, couldn't be a spending problem, Nate. No, it's no, just no. They don't have enough income. money. No, it's there's an income problem. It's the productive side of the economy has too much money to continue being more and more productive, and that's obviously the issue in an economy. Is when the productive people become more and more productive. You have to stop this, this terrible, dastardly deed of continued increase in production. You got to stop it. You have to stop. So also, by the way, that ten-year figure from the billionaires, one point four trillion. That wouldn't even pay for the COVID relief bill that we're waiting on the Senate to vote on. Yeah, the the next the one. One bill. Yeah. One bill. The one point nine trillion dollar bill. The ten-year figure from the billionaires from Warden Warden's Warden. Mm-hmm. Warren's wealth tax would not even pay for the next COVID relief bill that we're about to do. That we would spend in not even a year. But it would disincentivize a lot of investment. It would hurt production. Something that you actually don't need to do in an economy. Like if you have an economy where people need jobs and where businesses mm-hmm. need to flourish, all these you, types and, of things. And you know, the people who, who are fine with debt say, oh, well, if you look at you know percentage to GDP... So what happens if the GDP goes down? That would never way? happen. Well, no. if you start taking the productive money <laughs> out of the economy, that's what happens to your GDP. It plummets because it's no oh, longer man. you're no longer producing um, the same goods that you would have been producing. So that GDP starts to go down under the legislation. The wealth tax would be only levied on people with wealth over fifty million dollars, which is roughly a hundred thousand taxpayers. The annual tax rate would be just two cents on the dollar. Guys, it's only two cents on the dollar. That's all it is. Okay? I don't, I I don't know why n- people are upset about this. Her net worth is, oh, 12 million, so she's fine. Yeah, she'll be fine. She's it's a, just yeah. above what her she can make, net wealth is. She could triple her money and still be fine. So it's going to be a two, two cents on the dollar, also known as 2%. For people with wealth between 50 million and 1 billion, and just three cents on the dollar, which is also known as 3%, for wealth above 1 billion. There are only about 650 billionaires in the country that would pay the 3% rate. Well, there's only 650 people. Mm-hmm. There's, there's 350 million people in the country, Charlie. This is only going to affect 650 of them. This is what they said about the income tax, by the way, in 1913. It was only supposed to be a small percentage tax mm-hmm. on the rich. Just one cent on the dollar also. That's, That's all it was going to be. That's all it was going to be. <laughs> the, you, see where that, you see where that went. The combined wealth of the U.S. billionaires now exceeds $4.2 trillion. In the 11 months since the start of the pandemic lockdowns, total U.S. billionaire wealth has increased $1.3 trillion. <laughs> uh, and by the way, this coming from fee.org, only 2% of the billionaire's wealth is actually in cash and physical assets, things like that. The rest of it's all in investments and business ownership. 98% of it in investments and business ownership, only 2% of it in cash. So we'll talk and about... What we're not talking... What we're not, we won't get into this today. We need to see about getting Peter Schiff on the show. But think you also have to think about how much money was injected into the market. So, so yeah, the... The amount of cash they have has gone up, but what's the purchasing power of that cash now? You know, that the value of the dollars, what's the rate of inflation? Well, they say it's about 2%. We all know it's a lot higher than that. But you have to think about once this money starts to make its way throughout the economy and this next COVID relief bill and all the, I think the Fed has $8 trillion on its balance sheets now. So yeah, the, the billionaires are going to have, you know, more billions, but then uh, the, the, 
with inflation and, and the devaluing of the dollars, the purchasing power is going to be less and less. And that's actually what the market is worried about right now. That's why it had such a shaky week last week. That's why people are saying that we're coming in for a 35, 40 percent downturn here again. Some and people a lot are of saying it, 70 to 90 A lot of people are saying more than that. Um, over these same 11 months, 73 million Americans, 73 million Americans lost their jobs. 25 million caught the coronavirus and half a million died from it. Billionaire wealth is up 18-fold over the past 30 years, from $240 billion in 1990 to $4.2 trillion today, according to Forbes data. And then they talk about this number that they use. Remember, we have harped on this over and over again. Since the pandemic began, they've gained this much money. And so they talk about that date. They pull from March 18th. Say March 18th is used as the unofficial beginning of the pandemic because by then most federal and state economic restrictions responding to the virus were in place. So that's what they mark as the unofficial beginning of the pandemic. But what they're not paying attention to is what the market did before that. The market had already adjusted for the pandemic beginning and had already dropped by 40% at that time. By that like date, 35. 35% but, maybe at that time. So how much did they lose yeah. on the way down to March 13th, so besides the, Bill Ackman? It's, it's insane. They lost 35%, we'll say, before the date that they started pulling from, which is just some, it's some tomfoolery is what they call that. It's a lot of cherry picking in their data sets, which drives me insane. The idea that they would start from the, the gain from the very bottom of the stock market just shows you that of all the they're last trying, bull run they're just trying to manipulate the statistics of course because if you were going to actually look at it you would look at 2020 as a whole you wouldn't pull from the time that the market was at its bottom during the year and then start counting from that date because all those people lost money all the way down to that date it's crazy man it's, it's crazy but most people won't understand that it's that's like why, you got why you're listening to the show you got a hundred dollars I took $80 from you and then I gave you $100 and you're like, I just had a five times increase of my money. <laughs> no, you didn't. You had a hundred. You went down the 20. So you lost 80%. And then I just gave you a hundred dollars and you're like, yeah, my, my income, my wealth just went up by five fold. No, it didn't. No, it absolutely did not do that. <laughs> okay. Did not do that at all. It didn't do that at all, man. Okay, so that that just that kind of stuff drives me nuts. And you basically went from a hundred to one twenty. Yeah, so twenty percent increase, but not a four hundred percent increase yeah, from That's, February. Yeah, if you count from February, it's it's a lot less of an increase than it is from March eighteenth. And they they harp on this here. They, March eighteenth is used. It's the unofficial beginning. Uh, Forbes picked it. To measure mm -hmm. billionaire wealth for the 2020 edition. See, they know that. Why don't we just fishing. go over all of 2020? If we're going to count 2020, why are we starting March 18th, 2020? It wouldn't make the point that they're wanting wouldn't to make. January 1st, 2020, be a good starting date? No, you want to pull from the bottom. <laughs> okay. Now we're here. That's what you want to do. <laughs> exactly. You want to start from the bottom. Yeah. Just like Drake. Okay? Just like just Drake did. He when you start on Disney is the bottom. All right. That's the very <laughs> bottom. Right there. Okay. <laughs> the other problem with this that I have is, okay, now we have all of this wealth. He was in a wheelchair on Disney. <laughs> that's, <laughs> why, that's why. <laughs> now, now we have... And now he's walking around on stage. Uh, man, it's a pretty good game, man. It's pretty good. We have all this wealth, and we've got Amazon, and we've got Tesla, and we've got Microsoft, and so now you can take a snapshot, and you could say, oh, 
we should start taxing all this wealth. But the problem is, is this a good idea? What you should, what you should look at to figure out whether or not this is a good idea is start doing it way in the past. Start doing this in like uh, when they started the taxation in the first place. Start doing it in the 19 teens. Just start it right there. What would all these companies look like then? We've already discussed Elon Musk. Now, obviously, he had a bit of a parabolic move out of what his wealth number was over, over 2020 because of what happened with Tesla. But we had, we had a fairly popular meme going around talking about the fact that Elon Musk had a net wealth of $26 billion and he only had like 300 million in cash and the rest of it was all in Tesla and SpaceX. Mm -hmm. And if they started the wealth tax then at that time, he would have had to start selling parts of Tesla and SpaceX to just pay the wealth tax. And then what happens after that? Okay, so now we're just talking about 2019, 2020. What happens if you start this back in 2000? What happens if you're consistently taking 3% of the wealth of Microsoft and of, of Jeff Bezos and of Musk after he gets PayPal and sells PayPal? Do you end up still having SpaceX right now? Do you still end up having Tesla? No, but that's the hard. See, that's the hardest problem to solve are the unseen. Mm -hmm. This is why this is what makes our messaging hard to see. But if you can kind of forecast, I mean, God only knows what we could have right now. Had we not taken all this productive money? I keep talking about, I mean, have you ever seen the, did you ever watch the Jetsons when you were of, growing up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's what we'd look like right now if it weren't for taxation. But tell you the truth. Yeah. But probably better. better than that. But honestly too, yeah. you guys, we just went through a cold storm, right? Lots of ice and snow or whatever. I guarantee you by this time, by 2020, we are 2021. We would have already had roads that would just automatically melt the ice when it touched it. So that, or whatever we would have, we would be flying around, whatever it would, who knows what we could have come up with had we not sucked out $50 trillion or however much it is. I don't can't remember how much they've sucked out of the economy. But just imagine the wealth that this, the, the, the standard of living that we could have had we had not taken all this productive money out. And for what? To give it to the government? You so think they Facebook could do, would exist? So they can, uh, well, damn, now you're making the argument in the other direction. You know, <laughs> maybe we should have it. Well, I don't know. I mean,. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. And then those of you that are in the stock market with us, you understand this. When an owner of a company starts selling shares, it's not good. What does everybody else do? They sell their they shares. sell their shares. Yeah. So now you know instead of having a, a you know ten percent drop in the price, you're going to have a thirty percent drop in the price because everybody's going to jump ship with the owner. And what happens is the owner is still okay, but all the people who have their retirement accounts and the, that are making a living trying to trade, or maybe they're just have their retirements invested, well, they end up getting hurt really bad from that because mm -hmm. that drop is really bad for them. This this 3% taken into account when people start selling their shares to pay the government the money because they don't have the money in cash, when they start selling their shares to pay off the government, that is going to send triggers throughout the market that is going to have astronomical effects on the actual stock prices and is going to affect a lot of people. And what really bothers me from this is we don't know what the market would come up with, but what we do know is that the government wastes a lot of money. The government's really bad at spending money on things that have a return on them, that actually produce value in the long run. The, the government's really bad at that. The government, what the government does with money is they, they take it and then they mold it into the form of a bomb and then they drop it somewhere and it explodes. Yeah. And that's what the government does with all money, essentially. Is, is they set it on fire. And so we were taking the money out of the productive side of the economy, and then we're putting it into the government, and then we're saying that somehow they're going to achieve the same GDP growth 
with them spending money on $90,000 toilet seats instead of people in the productive side of the economy actually using that to grow the economy. It's a racket. It's, it is. It is. It and is a racket. this play out through history so many times, and yet this is like so hard, I think, for people to wrap their brains around, but uh, not for people that listen to this show. You guys get it. Mm. You guys understand. Mm-hmm. I'm just... You know, I'm just sick of it, man. You know what else these people understand is that you got to have good coffee. They do, man. Charlie. And you got to run your mouth at the same time while you're drinking it. Run your mouth about the coffee. That's what you got to do, okay? Of course, we're telling you guys about Run Your Mouth Coffee, which is through some of our friends over at Lions of Liberty and Homesteads and Homeschools. That's Ben Pangy and John Odermatt. They got a coffee brand called Run Your Mouth Coffee that's all about promoting free speech. You're right to say these things. What is this? I don't know what this is. Keep going. Okay. Anyway, your right to speak freely. All right. The Run Your Mouth Coffee was founded by those guys. Ben and John have been, has set out to bring fresh roasted coffee, delicious coffee to your doorstep and use those bold beans as a vehicle to promote uncensored speech so we can say what we want on this podcast without getting canceled. Okay, Run Your Mouth Coffee takes your freedom to speak and express yourself seriously. All their coffee is roasted to order. This means that you will receive your fresh roasted coffee at its peak flavor. All coffee varieties available in both ground and whole bean. Use the promo code 10% off for 10% off free shipping and free shipping. It's good morning, right? Good morning. One word. All you guys ever spell word. good morning as one word? That's what you got to do. All one word. And maybe good lowercase. Morning. I don't know if they're, I don't know if their promo codes are case sensitive. Yeah. But this is all lowercase, good morning, one word at rymcoffee.com. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the she, show notes. In case you forgot. Run your mouth coffee where delicious coffee meets uncensored speech. You stay classy. You stay classy. I, I, I wanted to, after this ad, I wanted to show you this, and I wanted to give a special shout out to the CEO of the Free to Choose Network, Rob. He sent us these nice. handy dandy Thomas Soul notebooks with a nice letter. Huh. That said, he really uh, enjoys being on the show, and yeah, we enjoy having him. I'd, and what a what a fantastic thought! Is you know? truly an honor as someone who has spent a lot of years watching things from Free to Choose, and, and also reading all of Thomas Sowell, <laughs> reading Thomas Sowell, reading Milton Friedman, all mm-hmm. all of those all those great people, watching all the videos from uh, Walter Williams and people like that to be able to have the CEO free to choose on the show a couple times. And he's a really cool guy. Yes. So make sure you guys go watch that Thomas soul documentary. If you yes. haven't watched it yet, go to free to choose network.org free to choose network.org tons of fantastic content over there. So I have no problem plugging them anytime. Mm-mm. Y'all go check them out. I just thought that was a really nice gift. It was. I, I got that in the mail and I was like, what is this? What is Why didn't this? I get one in the mail? And uh, well, that's for us. <laughs> I know. It's for us. It's, this is where we do the show. I know. <laughs> the office. And uh and so I just I just thought that was a really cool, really cool gift. So thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. All right, let's go into the next um the next thing that's gonna make your blood boil here. Although this is coming from fee.org. McDonald's response to minimum wage hikes totally undercuts the fight for fifteen new study shows. Imagine that. Huh. Imagine. You know, should this should be the fight for 100? I think they're underselling themselves a little oh, yeah. bit. Oh yeah, they've been fighting for 15 for going on 15 years now. By the time they get 15, it's not going to be enough. As um, uh, as AOC said in that video that Wes sent over earlier, we really should be fighting for $24 an hour. That's what that's, it should be. <laughs> it's 24. No, 24. Now that's what. <laughs> if I believe I'm, I didn't watch what she said, but I, what she's going to say 
is if the wages have remained consistent with uh, inflation or production, then it would be at $24 an hour right now. Yeah. God, and this is the thing. What most people don't realize is the actual thing that's screwing us up is the government to begin with. It's you like, don't say. Like, <laughs> it's just it's just unbelievable how the purchasing power of the dollar. Like, you and I were talking about when we first moved to Nashville, we rented a 1,500-square-foot, three-bedroom apartment for $789 in a not-so-great part of Nashville. And not that it was uh, that horrible. I mean, there are definitely cities with way worse areas, mm -hmm. but it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't like the Brentwood. It wasn't Williamson County type of money. It would have been a little bit more expensive for us to move there. But anyway, that same exact apartment of now 11 years later is like $1,800 a month. It's literally, it's over a hundred percent more. Now, has the area improved? No, <laughs> not really. Um, no, not around there at all. No. As, as, uh, is it, you think it's appreciated over a hundred percent in value? It apparently has because people are willing to pay for it. Well, the, but really <laughs> the problem is, is the purchasing power of the dollar in just 11 years, folks, the same apartments costing you more money. That's the, that's the problem. So you guys know, you know, the proposed you know the thing. fight for 15, the, the minimum wage is never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough. But anyway, We'll go through this from Fee. The push for a $15 federal minimum wage continues across the country. But new research shows that if the fight for 15 wins, the biggest loser may just be your wallet next time you want to chow down on a Big Mac or Egg McMuffin. A recently released study reveals that past minimum wage hikes resulted in much higher menu prices for consumers. You don't say. That doesn't make any sense. You increase labor costs and the cost of selling the goods is going to go up. Uh I'm going to have to get a spreadsheet out and figure this out. Do I don't know why that would McDonald's happen. McDonald's used to have a dollar menu? Yeah, when it was actually a dollar? Yeah, when it was yeah. actually a dollar. Now they don't. They have this like, you know, two for three or whatever. Anyway, minimum wage hikes are intended to, uh, sorry, uh, Princeton economists studied price and wage data from almost every McDonald's restaurant in the U.S. They found a full or near full price pass through of minimum wage induced higher costs of labor. In English... Please, not in economic <laughs> Spanish. This means that by vastly increasing production costs, minimum wage hikes resulted in an equivalent increase in menu prices. Mm. What? I remember this actually happening, by the way, because I worked for McDonald's by the, when, when one of the minimum wages went up. When I first started, minimum wage was 515. And I want to say it went to like six and a quarter or something like that. And I remember there, because I was a manager, we raised our prices on everything on the menu by 10 cents. Now, it wasn't a huge jump to the consumers, but literally everything on the menu went up by 10 cents except for the dollar menu because back then we still had the dollar menu. See, when the minimum everything wage... Everything else. When the minimum wage went up in Illinois, I think I harp on minimum wage a lot because I lost my first job because the minimum wage went up in Illinois. Literally. That's literally what happened. They used to have four people on the floor, four on the floor and two on the dash. Yeah. That's what he used to have. And when the minimum wage went up, they cut the person that was not producing as much as the other people. And you know what? When I was 16, that happened to be me. Mm. It did happen to be me. So what they decided was they would keep those three people on the floor instead of four. I was at a little grocery store in, in Illinois. Ah. So I lost my job due to a minimum wage hike, literally. So maybe that stuck with me over a long time. I was I already know. a manager at that point. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, where you were been like 13 at That's that true. time or 14, I 14, guess. 14, I was a little younger. I was cutting lawns, man. I was pushing my mower over to the neighbors. Minimum wage hikes are intended to help workers. 
Proponents say that everyone deserves a living wage. Everyone deserves it. When you're you born, deserve you just it. deserve it. Yeah. And argue now look, of course, on this show, we want everyone to be able to live comfortably and pursue your hopes and dreams and to have the 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 wage and the money to do so. But uh to to say that you deserve, look, the default of the human condition is is extreme poverty. It is. It's like nothing in this world will just give itself to you. You know, but that's just the way it is. Um, they argue that a government mandated wage increase will mean higher wages for workers. In contrast, what we went over the other day, what the CBO estimates that this would increase pay for 1.5 million workers. And it also estimates that 1.5 million workers will lose their jobs. Mm-hmm, so roughly. in contrast, the most common counterpoint against the minimum wage increases is that they lead to unemployment. The McDonald's example reminds us that there's another angle to this debate. Even if the minimum wage hikes didn't shed jobs, they would still cause harm in other ways. We've also covered the fact that they now have like these self-servicing kiosks mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff. So, and and that's what's funny is I got in an argument one time online with someone who was saying, "Well, the grocery stores should pay fifteen dollars an hour," and I was like, "Well, aren't they going to have to raise the price of all the goods at the grocery store?" And the person said, "Yeah, but the person there would be making enough money that they'd be able to afford all the goods at the grocery store, so it'd be okay." They were literally admitting that raising the wage was just going to raise the prices of all the stuff there. But luckily, you're making more money, so you'll be able to pay for all of it. And at the end of the day, you're just left in the same situation that you were left in before. That's mm-hmm. that's the issue, except for you owe a little bit more taxes to the government. They, can, they get <laughs> the same percentage. Yeah. <laughs> Supporters of hiking the minimum wage point to workers' nominal wages and argue correctly that some workers would see higher numbers on their checks every week. However, nominal figures aren't actually what matter. A worker's real income and standard of living is best measured by the purchasing power of their wages. I talked about this earlier. If a McDonald's cashier take-home pay increases 20% after the minimum wage hike, but the prices for food and other things they spend their wages on increase by a similar amount, they aren't actually any better off. This would happen throughout the economy, not just in fast food. The Heritage Foundation studied how minimum wage hikes would impact the cost of childcare, an enormous expense for many working class families. Childcare costs would increase by an average of 21%, an extra almost $4,000 per year for two children, and up 43% or more uh, than $6,000 in some states. The impacts would be greatest in lower cost areas in Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Mississippi. Costs would surge between 37 and 43%. And I've got a kid. Let me tell you. It's expensive. It's so expensive. So, But they they pay the child care workers like $10 an hour, 10 12 whatever dollars an hour here in Nashville. So imagine if you're increasing labor costs. Well, then you have to pay more than $15 an hour to have your child yeah. watched all day long. Whoever this is watching your kid, they're going to have to pay more than what their actual take home wage is yes. because there's going to be other business expenses associated with that. And somehow people don't think that this connects like here. Here's here's the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bottom line. OK, people who want the minimum- Stone Cold Nate and this <laughs> the bottom line. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> this is the deal. People who want the minimum wage to go up. To $15 an hour think that magically all the prices will stay the same when they do that and everyone's just going to have more money and that's the outcome that they see in their heads and they think well if they lose their jobs what will happen is we'll have so much more money in the economy for productivity 
that there'll be more businesses that pop up because so many more people will have money to put into more businesses that there'll just be more business. Okay, let's not talk about that 3% wealth tax. It could come over the top of that mm -hmm. and also hurt this whole process. But they think that, that those are the options. And if someone loses their job, they'll just get another job that's magically going to pay them $15 an hour. That's not actually, those aren't the only options. The other option is maybe you keep your $15 an hour job. Everything becomes more expensive and you're just as broke as you used to be when you were making $11 an hour or $7.50 an hour or whatever it is that you're making. You'll be just as broke as you used to be unless you happen to live in a town where $15 an hour is like a solid career job right, right. there because there are towns where that's the case. That's true. That I mean, and that's fine. If making fifteen dollars an hour in a town where your rent is is four hundred dollars a month or something like that, you know, the other expenses, you can probably pay your bills just fine with that, and it will help those people. But for a lot of people around the country, when all the prices go up, and it's not just McDonald's, it's the people who supply McDonald's, it's the people who make the boxes for that, the people who drive the trucks to get there that are getting paid those wages as well. It's the people who work on the trucks that are bringing things there. It's the people who work in the factories where all the meat and all the cheeses are being put together, where it comes there. It's not just the front-facing McDonald's store where you pay for those things. All of those costs reverberate throughout the entire economy. And so maybe you're going to get a pay bump up to 15 an hour, but then when everything else is more expensive, what headway did we make here? You're still just going to be broke. At least we'll be fair. But and then obviously we'll just be fight fight for twenty five. That'll yeah. that'll be what we're twenty five by twenty five will be the will be the battle cry. Twenty twenty five. We'll have to raise it to twenty five. I'm calling it right now. Okay. That'll be the battle. I'm cry. just saying twenty five by twenty five. That's what we're going to be pushing for. Twenty five by twenty five will be the battle cry. <laughs> Hear me now. But the thing that and then ten years later it'll be a hundred. <laughs> the 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 really bad thing that bothers me here is that um. We're not discussing what the actual problem is. And there's a couple different problems that are involved here. One, to use an old, an old, old wooden adage or an old, old <laughs> diversity idea here. Mm -hmm. the, this is from Ireland, I think. Yeah. And also Republicans and conservatives say this a lot. And I'm sorry to bring it out. I'm sorry to bust this out there. The minimum wage is not meant to survive on with the family of four and to live the rest of your life off of. It's not. It's an introductory wage. These jobs are typically meant for people who are in high school or who are going through college. And then typically you're supposed to move up and get more productive as time goes on and increase your pay as more time goes on. And so you're not worried about the minimum wage job anymore. And you should want or your low wage. Yeah. Even. The, or even the low wage. And you should want your society to be your society to be structured that way. Because they are structured in a way right now where the productive value that you contribute to other people in society and to the economy, it's, it's shown in the wage that you're paid, unfortunately, unless you work for the government, in, in which case you get paid based on your time served. You and I both started government. out at a low wage. We did, yeah. Wage. I actually got paid less than minimum wage when I first started working because I got... <laughs> Farm pay. I'm yeah. sure you did too. I I did because in Illinois, yeah. I don't know if it's still the case now, but mm -hmm. farm pay could be less than it is wage pay. It is less, and you can start working when you're 13 or something like that. But uh, that's what I got paid. I got paid less 
I got made a very low wage. That was my value as a 13, 14 year old little boy. But I wasn't um, that little. I was still pretty tall. But, <laughs> but uh, you should want your society to be structured this way because you want to incentivize people to become as productive as they can possibly be. And it's mm. not just in a greedy capitalist mindset because that's what's actually best for all the people in society, whether it's capitalism or socialism or communism or whatever it is. You want everyone to be as productive as possible. All the things you're going to get for free in communism got to be produced by someone somewhere. And so you want people to be as productive as they possibly can be. And when you set up a society where the people that are, I don't mean to say the least productive but or the least valuable, but who, who actually command that lower wage for whatever thing you want to call it, when you set up a society where that becomes comfortable and you don't ever need to move above that, then you set up a society where you don't incentivize anyone to ever be more productive for people. And so I don't see that as a good thing, that you should have different tier levels of jobs. And if your minimum wage job or your low wage job is not enough, then you need to do what you can to move up to another job where you can make more money. And to do that, you're going to have to be more productive. And that's better for everyone in it society. Is. Yeah. That's how I would want it to be structured. And that's how it is structured sometimes, except for the government coming in and subsidizing bad decisions all the time. Yeah. So anyway. You know, it's like gross to me. Like, think about this. Everybody talks about EMTs making $15 an hour. Nurses out of college, a four-year degree, start out making like 20 or $21 an hour. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, what? Yeah. I don't think I would ever do that job. I was in nursing school, by the way. When I first came out of high school, I went to one year of nursing school. And uh, man, to think about making that much money for that kind of job. Woo. You'd have to pay me like a hundred bucks an hour to do that. At job. least. Yeah. At the very least. I wouldn't want to do that. It's uh, so shout out to the nurses. Um, <laughs> so Charlie, we have an early dumb bleep entry. Why don't you tell me about this next thing okay. right here? I'll okay. put up on the screen for everyone. <laughs> All right. So uh, we like to do these little early dumb bleeps yeah. throughout the week. This is what works. This coming from kill the corporatocracy. <laughs> I think, is that a, a match? Is that a couple of matches there? I don't know what that is. Uh, and then it says, eat the rich. So, Which uh, is violence, by the way. Mm, it kill, would be... kill the corporatocracy. Yeah. And uh, it says, the biggest looters in the world. The biggest looters. Top 10 list right here. Uh, number one, Jeff Bezos. Number two, Elon Musk. Now, that depends on the day, obviously. Yeah. These guys can go back and forth. Number three, Bernard Arnault which is weird because his wealth is actually determined by the family wealth. This, this guy isn't the third richest. His family is. Yeah. Number four, Bill Gates. Number five, Mark Zuckerberg. Number six, Warren Buffet. <laughs> Warren Buffett. Number seven, Larry Page. Number eight, Larry Ellison. Too many Larrys. That's the problem. Number nine, <clears throat> Sergey Brin. And number 10, Mukesh Ambani. I don't even know who that guy is. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and at the bottom, it says, hashtag tax the rich. Now, I want you guys to think about a couple things. And Nate, I know you have a lot to say about this. But one thing that struck me with this is if you guys look at this list, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Larry Page, Mark Zuckerberg, Warren Buffett, uh, what do most of them do? They all, or, they all own large corporations or started <clears throat> and founded massive corporations. Okay. Now. The kill the corporatocracy crowd is the same crowd that wants to eat the rich. They want to kill all these people because they're the biggest looters in the world. Uh, at the same time, they don't care if your mom and pop shop can't afford $15 an hour. 
then you shouldn't be in business. They also don't care if your mom and pop <laughs> shop was shut down by coronavirus regulations and these people are allowed to keep running. Exactly. So they don't care about that either. They're running this weird paradox where it's like, I guess you have to just be a, just a, a small million dollar company. Well, the problem, Charlie, is that you're trying to make sense of it. And that's where you went wrong. You don't want to try and make any oh, sense or any logical points. That's in where this. we want to eat the rich. Okay. It's cool when you say it. Yeah. You just got to it just rolls off your tongue like you just got to eat the rich. Mm -hmm. What you got to do. What was ironic to me was that number one should be the U.S. government. Right. Um, because what this person considers to be looters are people who got other people to voluntarily give them their money in exchange for something that they deem to be valuable and more valuable than their money. They said, I have this money and this person has this thing. And so they gave up their money to get this thing that they thought was more valuable. The government, on the other hand, an actual looter, literally at the force of a gun in cages, will take money or overflow facilities. I don't know what we call them right. anymore. <laughs> the government, under the threat of violence, will literally take trillions of money, trillions of dollars of money of your productive work away from you and, and set it on fire. Literally, sometimes they'll set it on mm -hmm. fire, but they do it nicely in Middle Eastern countries. Right. And so that's that's where they do it. Um, and they're not the number one biggest looter in the world. It's the people who voluntarily obtain the money that are looters. And the people who through force obtain the money are somehow the nice, the, the, the nice virtuous angels mm -hmm. in here. I'm not sure that makes any sense. I don't, I don't know. Like I just you checked, said, though, it just rolls off the tongue. Though. Yeah, you just got to, man, just sound, it, gets tw it gets retweets, you know? You just got to get those retweets, man. It, everyone's angry at the wrong group of people. They're, they're, at, like, I, look, the standard of living, the cost of living is going up. People aren't wrong. When people fight for 15, they're not wrong. We have problems, right? It is too expensive to live. Back in the 1950s, you could, as a man, I don't know... But, a woman nowadays, but even as a man could uh, not even graduate high school, go out and get a job and support a family of four. They could buy a house. They could buy a car. They could do all those things. The standard of living, so to speak, when you had your necessities and, and who had to produce the amount of labor or how many hours of labor needed to be worked to support a family, um, the standard of living was a lot higher. So the cost of living has gone way up. These people, a lot of these people aren't wrong. They're just mad at the wrong people. You have to look and see why. Why is it that the value of our dollar does not purchase what it used to in 1950? What happened besides leaving the gold standard? Uh, that little thing. Th that little thing happened. <laughs> um, you look at inflation and really the corporatocracy. It's who, why do these corporations get to have influence over government? It's because government has the power to begin with. The government has a, the power that it shouldn't have. So why be mad at the corporations who are just playing the game? They're they're playing the game inside the rules, right? The problem is the people making the rules. They're the prisoners that are cozy enough to the prison guard and the warren, like the, the warden. Mm. I said warren is interchangeable. It is. Does you know warden warden warren. warren. The, that's that's what the corporations essentially yeah, you're are. You're mad at Andy Dufresne because he knows how to do the books. <laughs> Why would you be mad at him? Yeah, he's innocent. He's <laughs> and he's being kept in a prison against his will. Yeah, of course he's going to be nice to the guards and the warden. Yes, come he's on, do everybody's taxes. I'm not mad of at course. Dufresne. It built the library. I'm. <laughs> 
Anyway. Helped a couple guys get their GED. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. Okay. <laughs> it's real life. One time, because so Lacey's never seen this movie, I what? convinced her that it was a real story. Oh, yeah. We were talking about the death penalty and we we're talking about innocent people being put in prison. I was like, just look what happened to Andy Dufresne. <laughs> he didn't do it. You know, they, yeah. they, they didn't have the weapon. You know, it was <laughs> anyway. Look, some birds aren't meant to be caged. All right. <laughs> their colors, their, their feathers are just too pretty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is our first dumb bleep entry. The other thing I would say is you're saying that in, in the fifties you could get out and you get out of high school then you have to go to college and get a job and, and pay for all these things. What I would say is you could do the same thing and get a low wage job and pay for those things in night that you would have had in 1950 also. So if you want to get a car that doesn't have cruise control or air conditioning, in a way, a some 1950s cars are more expensive. Well, I'm talking about a classic. I'm just talking about a, a car that has all the amenities of a 1950s car. Yeah. If you want to get a house that has all the amenities of a 1950s house. But why can't they make cars like they did in 1950? Because the government won't let them. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so your anger, your anger has to be pointed towards the people who are keeping you, who are actually holding you back. It's that doesn't make these, any sense. It's not, you don't. These guys don't get together at Ellis Island and all talk about how they're going to hold back the the middle class or the low class or whatever. That's not what these guys do. Who does do that? The government. They're the guys who do it. That's where your anger should be pointed. That, you know, if if it, a car company today wanted to come out with a basic model that's, hey, $5,000. This is a car. It runs. Not great. There's no leather seats. These are actually like lawn chairs. <laughs> yeah. But it's got a steering wheel. We didn't put seatbelts in it. Yeah. Those are additional. Yeah. It's got, a, it's got a steering wheel. It can get you from point A to point B. It won't break down for a little while. They're easy to work on. Whatever. But you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to make a car like that. You can only do you that. You have in- to have the airbags. You have to have the seatbelts. You have to have the whatever cruise control. You have to have lane assist. You have to have all these things. Unless it only has two wheels and no cab around it at all, you can actually have none of those things, and it's totally fine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about these things because they're very important. I know that we're laughing and we're joking and we're saying that uh, we should be mad at the right people, and that is what we should do. We need to point the anger at the right people, and people on the left need to point the anger at the right people. They need to realize that these policies that they've been pushing for their entire lives are part of the problem. And that's why things keep getting Maybe worse. Maybe not even part of the problem. Maybe it is the it problem. It is the problem. Okay. Yeah. Just making the minimum wage higher is not going to fix the living conditions of people because the prices will adjust and the minimum wage will always be a struggling wage that you won't be able to feed a family of four off of, which is an insanely arbitrary comparison that people make anyway. Right. Because most people who make the minimum wage don't have freaking families of four. All right. Uh, but what and we, the other thing I want to say on, on this is like a lot of people will be like, oh, well, you just hate the poor. It's actually no, we actually care more about the poor because I don't want to see the poor be making $15 an hour for the rest of their lives. I want to see these people start out making whatever it's going to be four or five, six dollars an hour and get up to the point where they're making a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars an hour. That's what I want to see the growth. I want to see people have the opportunity. And and what this does is it squanders all kinds of people's opportunity where they're not even able to get any kind of experience. Like they're not even able to enter the workforce to get the experience necessary to where they, in maybe 10 or 20 years, they could be charging a hundred to $200 an hour or 300 or 500 or whatever it is. So we actually care more because we want people to be able to have that first 
ladder, so to speak, that people talk about. The first rung on the ladder to be able to build some type of opportunity for themselves to where they can reach the top rungs. They can move in to the one. That's what makes America so great or, or used to at least. It's why we used to be the greatest country in the world. <laughs> it's the idea. It's the, it's the idea of the opportunity. That's why our shores were flooded with freedom and opportunity and the chance to make your own life where you're not dependent on whether or not the government is going to give you enough rice for the month. That's why, that's why everybody came to the shores of America. It's the opportunity, the freedom. That's why those kids are in overflow facilities down there. Yeah. They're looking for opportunity. People still die in self-made rafts trying to get here from Cuba. And, and it just, it blows my mind how we've lost that concept where we, where we, we, we have to take care of everyone rather than just giving people the utmost freedom and opportunity to, to build the greatest thing that they can for themselves or to squander everything away if they want to. Yeah. It should be up to them. When we get into conversations like this and when we get into the political situation that we're in right now, I'm always, I've, I've been thinking a lot lately about how we have to get back to talking about solutions to the problem because l listen, I love, I, I love bitching about everything. It's fun. I, I like doing it. But we've got to we got to actually figure out how we're going to fix this or how at least we can fix our own situations. And that's what I want. That's what I want everyone to do. And everyone in the discord, by the way, I'm going to be making a channel in the discord. I just made a new one today for anyone who is a blog writer, an article writer. You write essays or you just want to do anything like that. It was Nicole's idea. And it's a really good idea for you guys to go over ideas and everything in the writer's room here in the discord this doesn't have any emoji on it <clears throat> i know I, i've got to put the emojis on it so so we can see it better uh, so you can go in there and discuss ideas and <clears throat> by the way if you write and you want to get your articles published on our website goodmorningliberty.us then send me an email nate at goodmorningliberty.us and we can do that uh, but there's a good room in there where people can bounce ideas back and forth there's liberty ideas channel in the dis in the discord where we can bounce some actual ideas back and forth uh, i'm going to be pushing people to make things that we can share with others with others to get the ideas out there and, to get uh, and, others. and others either one i'm it's yeah. uh, this is an equal opportunity discord channel as long as you have five dollars you can do that okay mm -hmm. that's the only that's the only thing you gotta have okay um if you uh if you have any ideas on making memes that aren't just uh socialists are idiots what I'm talking about is making some some little factoids, some some things that we can share out there to actually get facts out there to people that could change hearts and minds to talk about our ideology and why people should consider it. So what I want to do is for people to start thinking, what could we post that could actually change people's minds? Because while I think that sometimes it's too late, for a lot of people it is too late, but we also have to realize when I was 18, I had a George W. Bush bumper sticker on my car. And I got excited when I saw bombs being dropped in other countries. I'll, I'm saying it right now. I'm, I, you I'm, want to turn the sand into glass. I huh? wanted the sand to be turned into glass. Okay. And so while, and, and I'm, that's, I, it's, I'm disgusted when I think back on how I felt about that. But the idea there is that I was able to change. I was able to go from neocon to see the light to see the libertarian light we know people that were on the left that were able to change dave rubin's out there talking all the time and he was a prominent lefty for that oh what's that big channel that's out there turks and quesos yeah, turks and quesos. <laughs> yeah the young turks the young and quesos the young yeah. turks and queso yeah. 
he was able to change. <laughs> the young Turks and, and so queso. we have to assume that we can change people's minds because the alternative is too depressing. It's just too depressing. And the only thing that you can do there is hope that we can secede or just live in the woods somewhere. Go ahead and prepare for that. That's fine. But we have to make an effort to change people's minds so we can make the future generations better. Maybe it's too late for some people right now. Bernie Sanders, too far up their ass for them to ever change anything, you know. But maybe we can change some future generations. I'll be making a channel in here also where we can throw out ideas, throw out memes, throw out articles that you wrote, whatever. Uh, so we can actually change hearts and minds. I'll make the channel called Hearts and Minds. What's that guy's name? Sink? Um, it's, it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's Sink something. You, he you, is. You, I don't know how to say it. He is the literally the uh, Alex Jones of the left. <laughs> He's insane. <laughs> I can't. I ended up having. I did follow him on Twitter and I had to get rid of that because I can't. I can't no. take it. I just can't do it. So anyway, here's what I'm saying. Let's find some ways to actually solve this problem. One way that you can solve this problem is by going to mastermystocks.com and take care of your own financial future. Because despite everything that we talk about and, and how we can make things better, you still have to realize that it's your responsibility that, to play within the market that we currently have. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about the stock market. I'm talking about all the rules and regulations. It's still your job, even though it's a much harder than it should be. Uh, it's still your job to figure out how to navigate that and create the best life for your for for yourself and for your family and not make any excuses because regardless of uh, how much government's in our way of of what uh, the standard of living could be or what life could be in America, it's still your job and it sucks that they make it harder. but <laughs> it's still your job and part of that, Nate, is mastering your trades. You can go to mastermytrades.com or mastermystonks.com, whichever one you want to go to. We're going to teach you how we find stonks to trade on a daily basis. And I'll share what I'm doing in the morning when I'm going live, and I'll post some stonk trade ideas in our private Discord server that we have for the Liberty Trading Academy as well. Uh, but <laughs> Sorry, the gifts are cracking me up right now. Uh, but this class is mainly for you to gain the knowledge and the skills necessary to be able to find all of those stonks on your own. I don't believe in just creating a channel where I say buy stonk at price, because then guess what? You're dependent. And I don't like that because of some someday when I pass on, you're going to be sitting there waiting for me to say buy stonks at price and you're not and, and, and I'm not going to be there to do it. OK, so the point of the class is for you to learn why I take the trades that I take, why Charlie takes the trades that he takes, mm -hmm. so you can have those skills. My point for the class is for you to not have to take the class anymore. That is the actual <coughs> point. Our point for the podcast is for us to not have to do the podcast anymore. And 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 those are the actual those are the actual ideas that we have. And you can follow all of our stonk advice and all of our strategies over at mastermystonks.com. Use the promo code SAVE20. One word, save 20 to get 20% off your first two months. Use that classic. And it's not really just the class, honestly. It's a community, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a community of great people. We talk throughout the day, uh, and everybody's talking about different picks and different entries, and what do you think about this, and everybody's learning together. It's awesome. Plus, we have a software that costs more than the class costs. Yeah. Anyway, so you're, you're literally losing money by not signing up. It's streaming to the group all day, pretty much all day. Yeah. Discord times out, which is annoying, but pretty much all day. And we pay more. 
we pay twice as much for what we're streaming to you than what you're going to pay for the class. So, so it's a good deal. It is a good deal. Mastermytrades.com. Sign up for the Patreon group, folks. Sign up for the entire year. year. You'll get that 15% discount. Lots of people doing that. And uh, gets you access to the private Discord service where you can just fill us with memes. <laughs> and they're really funny. We have great discussion. You guys can join uh, the Patreon group, and that'll get you also. Uh, it'll get your vote counted. Uh, we do uh, charge you a premium for being able to vote on Dumb Bleep of the Week. So uh, $5 a month will get you in there. And there's also other tiers as well if you feel like donating more money towards the Liberty cause. And uh, all of that will uh, – but the most important thing is getting in – on this conversation and another community. Um, and I know a lot of people in the trading community are also in our uh, Patreon community as well. So, uh, it's a great place where we discuss ideas. As Nate said, he started the writer's room. We have all kinds of things. You can actually submit dumb bleep, uh, submissions that could make the cut. Sometimes mm -hmm. they do. Uh, so it's really, really cool. A way for us all to get to know each other better. You're Patreon. also helping change the world, by the way, someone posted in the meme group earlier, I posted it on our Instagram. It's already reached almost 4,000 people from our Instagram. Nice. Okay, so you're changing the world one, in this case, Nicolas Cage meme at, at a, a time. time. <laughs> yeah. A really funny meme, actually. One side, it says Nicolas Cage, and he's all ratty and gross. And on the other side, he's dressed up in a nice suit with his face shaved and it says Nicolas Overflow Facility. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> that is great. So patreon.com slash good morning liberty gets yourself signed up today. Share the show with a friend and an enemy. Leave us that rating and review on Apple Podcast. And if you guys do all that and stay classy, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty Hawaii.